Hi everybody, Vinny Krzyzewski here. Welcome to the Fit Musician One podcast episode two with my friend Gary Bo Clayton. Uh, you're gonna love this guy, it's awesome. Uh, you can get in contact, contact with us uh, via Instagram and Facebook at fitmusician1, um, fitmusician1.com, and Vinny at fitmusician1.com. Um, we are trying to get as much information to our musician friends as is possible with regard to fitness and nutrition and lifestyle. Um, and uh, how it relates to us playing and creating music. And uh, today's guest uh, is a perfect example of that. Today we're going to talk about uh, Gary Bowe's career, um, and we're also going to talk about his recent and uh, awesome weight loss with uh, eating in the style of keto, somewhat. Yes. Yeah, yes. low-carb, okay. When we talk uh, with Gary, when I talk with Gary on, online, I always uh, say uh, GBC. Uh, what, do, what do you prefer to be called? I've heard people call you Gary. I've heard people call you Bo. Hey, you. <laughs> well, you know, most people call me Bo. Bo. But, yeah. But I've been called Gary Bo Clayton since I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly by your mama. <laughs> well, my, my middle name's Lloyd. Really? Yeah, which no one knows, you know. Now, and now every, all three everybody knows. That are listening so to if I song. heard Gary Lloyd, I knew that uh, I was in trouble. You were in trouble. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. You're playing too many high notes. Cut that crap. Yeah, out. yeah. So after high school, uh, what happened? Well, you know, I I never made mid state. I never auditioned or all state. Uh, the thing was is that they had the one year they had all metro jazz band, all county jazz band. I guess you wouldn't want to say. Uh, uh, W.C. Gore ran it, and you know he's quite the legend. He is, man. Yeah. I mean, that guy's been around for a long time. I yeah. mean, he looks—he still looks pretty good for being a thousand years yes. old. He really does. Yes, he does. <laughs> uh, I made first chair. Nice. Uh, I played some of the solos and played lead. And he asked me, "What are you gonna do, boy?" And I wasn't gonna go to college. I was like, I'm gonna be an electrician. My family's electrician, I'm gonna be an electrician. I'm already working. He said, no, you're not. He said, I got a buddy, Jay Dawson. Oh, Jay. Yeah, oh, Jay. Wow. And Jay was at Austin P at the time. And Jay came and listened to me play and said, listen, I got one scholarship left. All you gotta do is just come up and play and uh, just to make it official, but it's yours. Now, during that time, I have to go back a little bit and say that my high school band director, John T. Wade, was also the director of the Army National Guard Band here in uh, Nashville. Yeah. And he got me and my buddy Rick Scheimer, who owns Black Hawk Audio. Right. Uh, in the band. There was quite a few Stratford guys, you know. Yeah. He let me in by the skin of my teeth. Because <laughs> he's like, well, I don't know if you passed the audition, but you can play high. So. Uh, <laughs> And, you know, I could solo a little bit. So I was doing that. So I knew I'd still be playing. But I went up to Austin P and uh, struggled. You know, cat went up there, didn't, couldn't read very well, struggled yeah. mightily. Uh, struggled big time with the first trumpet teacher. I won't name him. Right. But, uh, yeah, he, I lost my scholarship. Then Rick Steffen showed up. 
and we all know Rick Steffen. Oh, of course. And uh, he showed up, and he laughed at me, and he says, look, I'm going to give you one quarter. We were on quarters back then. I'm going to give you one quarter. And then at the end of the quarter, he said, okay, you can stay. And I changed my major back to music after that year. I had m- moved on to business law. Right. And because I like to argue, so I thought, hey, I'll be a lawyer. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and you're a trumpet player, so you have some of the yeah. same, <clears throat> same personality qualities. Yes, yes, that yeah, yeah. So, to be a lawyer. And a buddy and I were like, dude, we were, had already, by that time I was out of the guard. He was prior service army. Uh, he was like, let's go join the Air Force or the Navy. Band. <laughs> and I, all he had to do was say, look, we're going to get paid to play. Let's let's get out of here. Because he didn't want to student teach, and I didn't either. Sure. So I auditioned for the Air Force for the Airmen to note. Uh, they came in. I played. They liked my plan, but I had to go audition for a band. I did. I did pretty good. I didn't do real well on the classical stuff because mm-hmm. I wasn't – yeah. Digging it, you know, it was yeah. that guy. Yeah. Well, they said, look, man, you come back in a month. And then I said, well, I got a Navy audition. Now, this is the typical Navy back then. I go audition. I play some big band. I play some Abersauce. I start to play the Carnival of Venice. I get about six bars into it, and they go, hey, man, we don't play that bleep. They said, let's go have a beer. That's kind of awesome right there. I got to tell you. Seriously, man. You know, I, I won't say what they said, but no. you know, they had to beep it out. But they, we went and had a beer. They got, the guy said, look, man, you can play jazz. You can solo a little bit. And you like to drink beer. You should join the Navy. And then, you know, I did the Navy. I was going to do the Navy for four years. And I uh, did Memphis for two years. I wanted to get away, I, during that time, I got divorced. I wanted to get away from there. I mean, I joined the Navy to see the world, man, and they sure. sent me back to Memphis. I lived in Memphis when I was a kid. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember it. My dad built the VA hospital. Right, nice. But uh, I don't, so they sent me to Guam. They said, we're gonna send you to Guam or Japan. I said, well, what's Guam like? And they said, it's a tropical island, you'll love it. So yeah, man, and then I was gonna get out, right? Four years? And then I was like, they said, you want to go to San Diego? I'm like, yeah, I got family in San Diego. And it's beautiful there. Yeah. And that's really, going out there in the service is the only way any human being can afford to live there. Listen, when I, <laughs> yeah, when I was in Japan, I went to Hong Kong before the turnover. I went to Australia. I went all these places, Palau, all these islands from, yeah, that you read about in World War II. Beautiful islands, Philippines. I went to all these I couldn't afford to go there. No. Nah. Then they asked me, uh, hey, man, uh, I know you've only been here a year and a half. Would you like to go to Japan? Yes, please. Yes. <laughs> I spent six years in Japan. Wow. You know, and now we're pretty much into my career. We've done a lot of things. I played for a lot of people. Uh, and then I ended up back in Memphis. Then I went back to the School of Music. And then I ended up in Newport, Rhode Island as the jazz director and then I did the uh, acting assistant director for a while. And then my last probably nine months, uh, they needed somebody to do uh, funeral detail. And they knew I was retiring. Mm-hmm. So I ended up doing uh, playing taps. Yeah. yeah, which is an incredible honor. And uh, you get lots of practice time. 
Yes, because, you know, I hate to say this, but, you know, that, that generation's dying off, yeah. man, and especially up in the Northeast, you yeah. know. Northeast all, or Florida. Yes, and uh, I was doing, I'd go over to Cape Cod, mm-hmm. and I'd spend the whole day there. And not only was I doing the Navy ones, but they would say, hey, man, if you're around, can you yeah. do the Army? Can you do, Heck and yeah. so I was doing, you know, 7, 8, 10, 11 a day, man. Ooh, my goodness. And, you know, I'd practice saber saws sure. during, yeah. the, during the break. Yeah. And, you know, that's, you know, you had to hit Dunkin' Donuts, right? Yeah. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> Which was the, the beginning, beginning to the, of the, the end. end, right? <laughs> so so. Uh, tell me, tell me, that that's fascinating, man. And, and thank you. And I know people say this, but I am genuine. You and I had a conversation before we started about my son-in-law. Shout out to Peter Odletsky. He, uh, he uh, is a retired <laughs> Marine pilot, and I'm very proud of his service as is as is everybody who knows him to our country. And now he's a civilian and uh, doing really well. So thank you very much for your service. You're welcome. I really appreciate it. Sounds like you did a lot of different stuff. Yeah. Oh, um, tell me about, so when you were younger, how tall are you? I'm 5'11". 5'11". So when, so when you were younger, were you, were you always uh, fit, pretty thin through you high know, school? No, I was kind of the chunky kid that was in shape. Right. You know, I played sports. Yeah. What did you play? I played basketball year-round. I played baseball. I didn't really mess with football too much, you know, I mean, even though I loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we were always, you know, back then, we just were at the courts. Went outside and played. I played at Shelby Center. Nice. I played for their team. We played year-round. I played baseball down at Jess Neely. Right. Uh, I loved it, man. Yeah. But, uh, you know, during that time – you know, it was the 70s, man, late yeah. 70s. You didn't think about nothing, man. You know, just. So when you went in, when you went into the service, there was obviously uh, some physical requirements. Did you, yes. you went through basic? Yeah, you know, I'd went to Army basic to, for the National Guard. But when I was coming back in the Navy, uh, I had been out just long enough for them to say, you don't have to go to basic. But they didn't tell me that. Oh, so stay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I went to Navy Basic, and it was kind of weird. You know, I'd already done the Army thing, which was at the time much tougher. You know, much tougher. And and I was older than those guys. I was twenty five, and all those cats are eighteen, yeah. seventeen years old. And yeah. I'm teaching them how to, you know, like fold a t shirt so we don't get yelled at and <laughs> and have to do push ups. So you were in a leadership position. Yes. From the very, yeah, from the very yeah, yeah. 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 So it was cool, you know, and uh, I got way down in my weight. Uh, I went into basic, probably went around 200. And when I left there, I was about 178. Oh, God. Which is really, really small for me. Yeah, you can see, like, uh, yeah, ribs. I had, yeah, yeah, and uh, my hip bones. And people, oh, were, no, no, and, like, no. people actually thought I was sick and, you know. And, you know, you are sick. During the whole time, I mean, yeah. you always have something. You're somebody's yeah. passing something around. Yeah. Uh, but you know, for me, uh, I love to eat, man. So, and drink, and at, when I was younger, drank some beer. And, yeah. You know, and it didn't take very long for that weight to come back on, and I had to work real hard. That's when I first start my first band. I started doing five Ks. Okay. And we would actually do a five K every day. Wow. Because my boss said, if you're going to drink, you're going to have to run. Yeah. 
Yeah. And well, we, it would clear you. Did you do it first thing? First thing in the morning. Yeah, so it would clear your head from whatever yeah. stupid stuff you did the night before, <clears throat> plus it kept your weight under control. And we did that uh, three, four, five days a week. Were you guys wearing the plastic uh, plastic? Uh, yes. wrestling, yes. lose yes. weight kind yeah. of it's so un- I mean, it's just like you would yeah. think that like a, a government-run institution like that would, would be Well, you know, edge. they didn't really make us do that, but yeah. we would do that anyway. Oh, yeah, sure. So, you know, when I was younger, it was a little bit easier to keep that weight off, sure. even though I was drinking yeah. and, and, and eating, because I would just go run. And when I went to Guam, same thing. We'd go run for 30 minutes. No, Hey, we're just going to go run for 30 minutes. 15 in, out, 15 in. Yeah. And in Guam, you're gonna yeah, yeah, you're gonna lose you, some water weight. And Guam. yeah, yeah, and we would go running like six o'clock, right? And it was still yeah. like the humidity and. <sighs> but you know, I stayed pretty slim during that time, and then you know, but, but I struggled with my weight and my whole life. You know, yeah. I was one, I was like, uh, you know, that movie. I'm, I was I was a twix away from being a fat kid. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I want to continue talking about the physical part of it, but but the mental part of it for me, um, <clears throat> you might be able to relate to this. I remember uh, junior high school uh, shopping in the Husky department, and then yeah, gaining weight during the school year so much that I would I split a pair of pants. I remember it like it was yesterday because I was in class and a, uh, it was a small community. A couple of my neighbors were there, and they just laughed and pointed and. And you were just the, you know, it made you feel, it didn't make you feel good. No. So I got to the point, man, where I was thinking about years ago and, and really through high school and college, part of college because I was drunk for most of the time. But, uh, and then after college where I would think about, like if I walked in front of a plate glass window or a mirror, I would look and I would be like, yeah, you are just a big fat disgusting. I wouldn't person. even look, man. I wouldn't yeah. even look in a mirror. Yeah. It got to that point, and you know Husky from Sears, right? That's where we. That's when we went to Sears. That's where my mom went straight yeah. to the Husky. They section. started that. They started that. Uh, all those labels, man, really, really. And you know what? I don't think that Sears was out to get fat kids. They were just. They just had to figure out a name, and that was a polite way at the time of saying "fat kid," "husky." <laughs> It sounds so much better. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was, it was more gentle. It's like your grandmother going, oh, he's just husky. Yeah, he's big boned. He's big boned. Bone. Here, eat another brownie. Right, have, yeah. yeah, have some more Have some more macaroni and cheese, which was an entire food <clears throat> group, uh, you know, as I remember when I was growing up. Okay, so so you, as you went through your career, how long were you in the Navy? I did 20 years okay, in the Navy. Nice. So you're, you're fully retired. Yeah, and, fully retired. That's great. That's awesome. So um, did you ever... Were you ever in danger of getting kicked to the curb because you were? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, a couple of times, yeah. man. You know, uh, you could only have a, uh, and it changed. You know, and the weight limits changed, right? So when I first came in, I could be, like, my weight was at two fifteen. Well, that's very attainable for me. I mean, I had to work at it, but I could stay there. As as longer I stayed in, the more health conscientious the yeah. Navy would get. You know? <laughs> yeah. When I say that, they they. They saw you with their eyes. You know what I mean? And that, and that makes sense, right? But yes. your worth was how they saw you. So if you look good in that uniform, you know. Yeah. So that's why I always had bigger uniforms, yeah. right? I always had different sizes because you never knew, right? But, yeah, there's a couple times where they had this thing, and I forgot what the name of it was. It was uh, 
I had I failed the the PRT, not the PRT part. I was always getting excellence, and on that I could run the mile and a half, do the push up, sit ups all day long. But it was the body fat, you know. Yeah. Uh, I was always over the weight. You get taped, you're not going to make the tape. Yeah. Uh, they didn't do it on purpose to fail you. Actually, occasionally they would say, hey, man, you're about an inch away. Uh, suck it in. Right. All right, good. Yeah. You're on, yeah, you may. But, you know, there's times they can't cover for you. Yeah. And uh, yeah. not that they ever covered for me. Yeah. I'll, I'll put that in there. Yeah. Uh, but I failed it twice, and they sent me to this. Uh, it's kind of like the rehab. Fat kid camp. Fat kid camp, yeah. <laughs> And they had a name for it. I mean, there was an official name for it, but, uh, you know, we were like, oh, you're going to the, the fat camp. Ugh. So I went over there for a couple of weeks, man, and I lost the weight that I needed to lose, yeah. and I came back, and I was all refreshed. But see, like me, you know, this addictive attitude, uh, this personality, uh, emotional eater, emotional drinker, right? Yeah. As soon as I got in weight, I, I, you know, my wife tells me this all the time, you'll get down. And then you'll say, well, I want to treat myself. Right. Instead of having one. I'm here. Beer. I've arrived. Yeah, I've arrived. Yeah. Let me let me uh, go eat this chocolate cake. It's like a good, it's like a, it's like a good marriage. And uh, you and I have, uh, have that in common. I, I had a first wife, got divorced and, and met Beth uh, uh, seven or eight years ago. It's just been awesome. You, um, a lot of people think that when you get married, that that's the end of the journey. Like you're standing yeah. up there and you say, I do. But but what we realize is that it's the beginning of the journey. I yes. Mean, you, you still got a date. You still got to, you know, it's got to be all that sweetness and it's got to be all that practical stuff and it's got to be all that. So it's the same way weight loss. I, I've done it. I've done it many, many times. Uh, hit my goal and done exactly that same thing, man. I'm going to go out and have a nice, a big old burger and some yeah. french fries or whatever yeah. the deal is. Sometimes for me, <clears throat> sometimes that fits in. Yeah, um, because of the way that I'm handling my health these days. So okay, so you get out, and then, oh, and then it starts. It started before I got out. Okay, because I knew that I was going to get out, and I was like, <laughs> I don't care. Right. You know, but the thing was, is and my boss used to laugh. He goes, "You're the most in shape fat dude I know, man. Because yeah. you can outrun us. You can out do more push-ups and sit-ups." But you're getting fat, dude. You know, when I retired, I had to go buy a new uniform just for my retirement ceremony. <laughs> it was worn one time, dude. And those uniforms, the blues, right? Yeah, they sure look they great, man. They weren't cheap. <laughs> no. Uh, you know, so I it started there. And then when I got out, I you know, I taught for a year for Metro. Uh, stress, dude, stress. Uh, and uh, I started packing on the pounds. How long ago was this? This was uh, 2008, 2009. Okay. So 2009, you were still somewhere in I the was, low 200s? Yeah, I was probably around 220, 230. 220, which, which actually... Which would be a great weight for 220 me. 220 is yeah. a good, good weight yeah. because... because and, and back to the, the reason why you could run and do sit-ups and all that kind of stuff is the same reason why you're a great trumpet player and a great trumpet teacher because you have the discipline and tenacity to understand like i've already played for i, I did my whole routine this morning okay? yeah so 90 minutes already <clears throat> um you understand the cause and effect of practicing and what it does for your gig chops and your session chops oh yeah and your teaching yeah, chops. yeah 
and it's and it's the same thing with uh, pushing through the pain of a 5k you get to the end and you're carrying an extra 30 40 pounds it hurts like hell but you know it's going to be over and then yeah you're not going to die and your heart rate's yeah. going to go back down to a normal rate and so you understand that cause and effect and i think that uh, with regard to musicians, I think that really helps. Um, it hurts us, and it helps us at the same time because of our obsessive, mostly obsessive yeah. personalities. We're gonna grab a hold of something like a like a dog with a bone, um, in the negative direction, but also in a positive direction. So that's so. So you get out. You're two twenty. I'm at two twenty. You know, and then it starts creeping. Right, it starts creeping, and I'm not one of those guys that weighs myself. You were talking about the mirror, yeah. right? You don't want to look in the mirror. I, I didn't ever want to look at a scale. I would just worry about what my pants were. Right. Then all of a sudden, I'm wearing 40s. I'm wearing 44s. I'm wearing 48s. Whew. I'm not done. Ooh. And <laughs> then uh, January 2018, I was wearing a size 52 pants yeah. with a 60 jacket. And all the way up to uh, basically June, when my daughter looked at me, she said, you're going on the keto. Now, during this time, these years, I had done low-carb or Atkins or this or that. She said, we're going to go on the keto, and you're going to stop eating sugar, and you're going to stop eating bread. Man, I could could put some bread away, right? So you're going to stop eating bread. Uh, I gave up, believe it or not, I gave up alcohol. Yeah. Not because I still have a beer with my son every once in a while and sure. a cigar. Sure. Because he loves those cigars. Yeah. So uh, I did, and all of a sudden the weight started coming off. Yeah. started coming off. Yeah. Uh, two days ago, I w- now I was at 366 in June of last year. Right. Yesterday I weighed uh, 272. So that's 94 pounds. 94? Yeah, 90, yeah. 94 pounds. And you know, year. in the last two months, I've only been losing. Like, at first you lose quite a bit of weight. Oh, yeah. Right? But the last two months, I've been averaging a pound a week. pound a week is like the that's, perfect Yeah, and number. you know what? And so, uh, I can count on one hand how many times I have had any kind of bread products. Yeah. One time I was with Bobby Shue. When he was like, we're going to go eat. You eat Italian. whatever Bobby shoots. Bobby wants to eat <laughs> Italian at 1030 at night. And we're going to eat Italian food. Yes, indeed. Yes. And Bobby even said, hey, man, I'm sorry. Uh, I know you're on. Yeah. I was like. Don't worry about it. Don't bro. worry about it, Bobby. That's, that's right. <laughs> it's it's my one day with you, you know. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Uh, I'll do whatever I have to. So during this 10, 11 years now, between two th- when you got out 2008 um, and now, you, did you yo-yo a bit? I did. I yo-yoed, and I yo-yoed like I would get down to like a size 46. Okay. Wow, I'm at a 46. Yeah. And then I was like, and I'd stay there, and then they would be loose, and then all of a sudden, I'd like get rid of all those pants, give them all the big pants away, right? Yeah. Because I'm like, you know, this is going to be the time that I'm actually going right. to do it. Right. It's going to be permanent. Sure. This has got to be it. And then I would, I don't know, some re- and see, I'm a... I guess you say an emotional eater, right? You mm-hmm. know, so for me, late night, because my hours are crazy, right? Yeah. We get off a gig, it's 11 o'clock, man, you're, you you haven't eaten, because I don't like to eat before a gig. No, because you don't want to be full. Yes, so if I if I have a 7 o'clock gig, 8 o'clock gig, I'm eating dinner around 4 o'clock. Okay. 
Right. So now it's been six, five or six hours. Yeah. Six, and I'm starving. Hours. You've worked hard. You've done a gig. And where are you going to stop? Right. You know, one of the right. fast food restaurants, right. right? And, you know, you just pack it on. And, you know, one of the things was is I gave up carbonated drinks totally. Yeah. And I haven't had that in over a year. That's really good. Yeah. And, you know, because uh, I used to drink about three liters a day, bro. Of diet soda or no, regular? just regular soda. Oh, why? God. Why go diet? It's amazing that you weren't. Uh, did you ever have pre-diabetes? No, you know what? I didn't, and my doctor was always shocked. He was always like, "You know, your dad's got diabetes. You've got to have diabetes." God. And he goes, "Why is your cholesterol like one seventeen? <laughs> why is your your sugar level?" He goes, "Dude, lose the weight." Yeah. And like I told you, he was an old army doctor. Yeah. And, and he was like, I'm going to send you to Vanderbilt. They wanted me to do the surgery. The, uh, I'm so glad you did. No. And I was like, and you know, I did the consultation. I went down there and talked to him. And I, I just looked at the guy and I said, I like to drink a lot of water. And if you make my stuff, and I, maybe this is just my mindset. I'm just going to have to be sipping all the time because I'm always thirsty. Right. So that's why he thought I had diabetes, you know, because right. I was always thirsty. So <clears throat> I was like, I'm just, I couldn't do it. So, and I had, and I consulted with some buddies of mine have had the surgery that were musicians, trumpet players, trumpet players, and sax players. Yeah. But you know, our businessman, and you're busier than I am, when do you have a downtime? Yeah. You that's, really don't. I mean, if you want to stay in the game, it's it's that's true. If you want to stay in the game, you can't have a downtime. Everybody not, that I know that everybody that I know that has had that uh, that surgery, lap band or bariatric or whatever whatever they call it, you know, has first of all, most of them have put the weight back on. Oh yeah. And then once you get that done, you can't do it again because your stomach is stretched as thin as a balloon, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that because you lose, and, and I want to talk about that too, 94 pounds in a year is a, an astounding accomplishment, but it is a quick weight loss. That, yeah. that one pound a week, that's like from everybody that I've talked to, all the, all the nutritionists and all that stuff, if you have more than 50 pounds to lose, one pound a week is like the recommended yeah. because then you're, you're losing visceral fat. You're using, you're losing fat around your organs. Um, you're not losing a whole bunch of lean body mass or muscle and for us with those 200 with our diaphragm and the 220 muscles that we use in our face to play those have to stay as as strong as they can i struggled with that yeah you know uh and i think you and i talked about that man when i first started losing weight you know i i'm not really a screamer you know that but i mean i've got some high chops mm -hmm. right i mean i can pull off some stuff when i need to sure but I'd rather play the jazz book, right? Yeah, it's easier. <laughs> so when we play with Duffy, I always go down to the fourth yeah, book because yeah. I know that's George's book. Yeah. It's going to have a couple of solos, and, you know. Yeah. You know, and if anybody says, hey, play a G at the end, I'm like, okay. Yeah. You know, I got you. Yeah. You know, but I, I had been playing double C's in my uh, routine, which I had never done, really, when I was younger, every day for a couple of years. And when I started losing weight, that range went away. Started I talked to Bobby away. about that too, and he says, "You know, you'll get it back." And you even said, "Hey, you'll get it back." I'm starting to get it back now because I'm starting to, you know, I, I don't know if I'm settled. You know, I'm, my body feels better, but yeah. I mean, you know, I like I said, I was at a sixty jacket. Now I can wear a fifty. Yeah, I'm down to 44, 42 pants. Yeah. 
the goal is and everybody in my eyes is to always get below 40 right. size pants because then you feel like a normal person right well, that's interesting because you could yeah because then you can shop it you can shop it but you don't have to go to the big and tall yeah, you don't have to yeah. go to the big and tall section or the husky section yeah. as we like yeah, to call yeah. it um that's interesting I, i'm glad it's coming back um you understand the benefits of water um, that will really, really help anybody that's going through this. A, a, an extreme weight loss. The water yeah. is the key. Yeah, we talked about that the other day about the water bottle. Oh, I, yeah. I, you know, 150 ounces. Yeah. That's my minimum. Yeah. Which, you know. Yeah. That's, well, that's about right, too, yeah. for your body size, yeah. too. They say uh, half, your, half your body weight in water in ounces yeah. every day. It's a little impractical if you're, if you're you know, 350 pounds to drink, you know, 100. It's just, but I, you know, I drink, I, I just, you know, of course I drink my four or five cups of coffee a day and then yeah. I, <laughs> that's, that's life. Coffee is I life. Mean, you know, then I, but I, that bottle, I fill that up totally. I keep ice cold water in the fridge. Yep. I just yep. keep it cold and just drink it. And when we go out to eat, I, I never drink, uh, anything other than water. Yeah. Unless it's coffee. Yeah. Same uh, here. I, I don't. I even gave up. Now I'm a southerner, and I've always sweet drank. Tea. Yeah, I gave up sweet tea. I did that years ago. I was unsweet tea. Yeah, and everybody would say, "You're really from the south, right?" Yeah, right. But I give, even gave that up. You have to give your card back. I know. I have to give my. <laughs> um, let me ask you about this. Let's see. Typical day. Uh, no, not a typical day because that's that's uh, that's uh, because your schedule is so different. Some mornings you're playing at ten o'clock. Or teaching at ten o'clock, yes. and some days you play until midnight. Yeah, so, my, you know my schedule is pretty crazy. Yeah, so so let's talk about the foods. Um, one of the myths about keto, um, from my research and the people that I've talked to, is that people on keto don't eat vegetables or fruits. No, man. Yeah. So tell me about that. Tell me. On well, a, tell me what what vegetables are accept vegetables and fruits are acceptable and which ones do you steer away from uh, for me i usually don't eat breakfast i have a bullet coffee okay the heavy whipping cream yep. mct oil yep. the good butter yeah uh i don't really do intermittent fasting but I guess since I don't have breakfast, people have said oh you're doing intermittent fasting well, you're no fasting I, from whenever you yes. eat last, late <clears throat> yeah night. yeah I call uh, that sleeping. Yes, me too. <laughs> For me, now that I'm home during the summer, uh, a typical lunch for me is an omelet with maybe some baking, bacon in it, uh, some cheese, and a avocado. Nice. Love avocados, yeah, man. Yeah, they're great. Uh, it's one of the best foods on yes, the planet. Yes, and you. I have that, and people and my buddies laugh at me. What is that? Uh, for dinner is where I get my vegetables. You know, I've never been a fruit guy. Right. I mean, I used to eat bananas, and I don't. Yeah. I'm a, I'll eat banana bread. Sure. Yeah, sure, right? Yeah. But no. <laughs> I, I guess you can have berries. There's yeah, fruits fair. that you can have, yeah, you berries, can have berries and stuff, but I, you know, I just, I've never dug it. So right. I, I cook because my wife gets home later than I do. Mm -hmm. So... The typical dinner for us is uh, either steak or chicken, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but not big portions. I've learned how to cut a steak up and saute it where it looks mm -hmm. like strips. It tastes, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. 
my wife's well done. I'm medium, you know. That's another. But, that's another uh, misconception about keto is that if you're on keto, you eat massive quantities no, of protein no, no. all the time. You know that old saying, "Don't eat anything bigger than your palm." Sure. That's why I try to stay with. Yeah. Now, if somebody's going to bring a big T-bone out, I'm gonna, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. have to, or some ribs. Yeah. You know. But spaghetti squash, uh, Brussels sprouts. Last night, I'm at home by myself. My wife's in the Philippines. I cook a small steak. I have spaghetti squash, Brussels sprouts, and asparagus. Yeah. That was my dinner. I bet you can't even move after that. You're so full. Oh, yeah, and it's just one plate. But it's... I've been doing uh, cauliflower with uh, seasoning. Yeah, I will actually have cauliflower sometimes as to go with my eggs because the way I cook it almost tastes like hash browns. Mm-hmm. Do you ever do <clears throat> riced cauliflower? Have you tried that? Do I haven't tried that, but I've seen it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's it kind of it, it creates that illusion that you're you know if you did a stir fry yeah, that you put yeah. that over top of the stir fry that yeah. you have and, and you know we do that occasionally we. My wife's not really into Mexican food, but we love fajitas. Mm. So we'll, there's a place we'll get double fajitas. She and I will split that, and yeah. uh, I'll take it home next day. And guess what I'll do? I'll throw it in eggs. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, you know, I eat a lot of eggs, man. Yeah. And uh, eggs got a bad rap for a long time. Yeah. And now you know they're back on the good foot. I never thought they were on the bad foot. They raise your uh, HDL and LDL, yeah. good and bad cholesterol, uh, equally. Yeah. And um, I do, this morning, I had an egg white, I had one egg and about maybe six ounces of egg whites on a, on a, on a couple pieces of really healthy uh, bread. I don't eat a lot of bread. I'm, that's the only occasion that I'll really eat it. Um, and, uh, and I had a piece of fruit. So mine's a little bit different yeah. than yours. But, uh, you know, it, this, the keto lifestyle really lends itself greatly to people who like to eat, especially yes. if you're a savory guy, you know what I mean? Like, I, I know I'm going to blow my own horn here. <laughs> Please do. But when but when I cooked last night and the seasoning that I had on that food, and I'm a novice cook, you know, I mean, I can cook any Southern thing, but I mean trying to cook healthy. The seasoning was incredible, but it wasn't too salty. Does that make sense? Yes. And I've learned how to use sea salt. I'm not sea salt, kosher salt. Right. In my food, you don't have to use as much, mm-hmm. but it gives it, it brings out the flavor. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, and, and my wife, who's, you know, she's Filipino, right? They rice, fish, mango, all that stuff. She'll eat what I do, and she'll go, wow, that was, that was good. That's good. So, you know, we don't eat out a lot right. <clears throat> like we used to. And if we do, it's Sunday after mass, sure. When she drags me yeah. to mass, <laughs> bad Catholic man. I'm a Southern Baptist Catholic, by the oh. way. <laughs> That's what I used to tell the priest. You know, I grew up Southern Baptist. And I'm a Catholic. Now. Well, the funny thing is, is that Southern Baptists will uh, will shy away from you at the uh, liquor store. The Catholics will come off the patch. Yeah, the back. Hey, they'll, they'll tell me where their cells are. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> Nothing against either one of those. No, uh, no, no, no. I go to church. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, for me, what I try to do is just eat healthier. Yeah. And, man, I've, once a week, occasionally, I will just eat. Now, since my wife's been gone for a week, there's been two or three meals that have been just vegetables. Yeah. You know, and yeah. 
which is, I, for me, it, it's kind of a change. It's nice yeah. to have that change, yeah. but Absolutely. I don't, I don't eat a ton of meat, but I do like it. I mean, you know, like you've seen my little post about going to Roy's Heck meat yeah, service yeah. and having those ribs. Andy Robinson will tell me, "Hey, man." Uh, Stop your lesson early so we can get out here to go. <laughs> so the lesson before eleven o'clock. Get a short. Yeah, you give it a look. Hey, you sound great yeah, today. I'm gonna yeah, let you go gross. five minutes early. See you later. Yeah. Um. So, so your wife has been able to, and I've seen pictures of her. She does not have uh, a weight issue. No, no, no. Uh, in the least. And uh, yeah, you married. You married good. You did good, kid. I uh. Yeah. I, Above right. my above my station, you you out kicked the coverage. The coverage, yes. as they as they say, big so, time. Um, that seems to be a, a theme with most of the people that I have on here. I'm not sure, not sure what that <laughs> what that says. <clears throat> Trumpet players and musicians, I, I don't know. But uh, so she's been able to adapt and not have any adverse effects. No. To to the to no. the eating that you've no. chosen to do, and there'll be times that I'll come home, like she'll be on her way home, and I'll say, because it takes her a half hour to get home. What do you want for dinner? She goes, "Oh, uh, what are you cooking?" And I'll tell her. She goes, "Well, I'm gonna have that," and she'll have her rice yeah, if she wants it. Yeah. I always make her rice, That's and then she'll have her whatever she cooks. Man, I don't. And you're I, not you're not tempted. Uh, obviously, you're not tempted by. Um, by any of the, the starches, the rice, no. the potatoes. The you know, actually, I've had French fries one time in a year. Yeah. And it was a couple of weeks ago, and it was the f it was my first cheat day. Right. It was probably a month ago. Right. We went up to Danville for yeah. the Brass Festival. Sure. Rick and, Rick and I. Yeah, Stephen. nice. And I said, you know, today's going to be my cheat day. And we stopped, and I had a hamburger and fries. Yeah. And it was quite amazing. Right. <laughs> it was. It felt Tasted great, and then later you're like, man, that's that feels terrible. Yeah, no, no. When your body gets used to a certain way of doing things, no matter what it is, really, it's. And you know, the French fries, I always thought would be hard for me to give up. Any kind of potato, right? Sure. Yeah. Potato guys. Yeah. I used to have to pick them out of the ground. Right? Yeah, we just we just uh, picked our crop of Yukon Gold out of the garden. First yeah. time I've ever grown uh, potatoes. We had fifty from like four or five. Times. I used to sit on the. And my grandmother's, they would have this cart with pegs in it to loosen up the dirt, yeah. and we would sit on it. And while they dragged it. While they dragged it. Oh, yeah. I, I remember working on the farm, yeah, man. that's great. And people wondering why, you know, yeah. why you want to be a musician. Right. Exactly right. <laughs> Once you experience that real work, man, uh, although trumpet and uh, music can it's be, different, can be, but can be yeah. challenging. can be challenging, for sure. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about, I know that you, how long have you been married? We've been married 24 years. 24 years. Yeah. And you have two kids. <clears throat> two kids. All right. Give me a little brief, uh, proud papa. Well, my son went to UT, played in the, uh. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know, man. Roll, roll time. I, <laughs> anyway, he went to UT. Uh, he got his degree in, uh business supply chain management analytics nice he didn't start in that but he ended in that uh he was in the pride of the southland band for four years he's a really really good trumpet player yeah. uh but 
I don't know if it's what he saw I had to deal with as a musician that he went into something else. Sure. He still plays. We just did a gig together not too long ago. He sounded great. Nice. I'm like, are you practicing? He said, well, I had a couple gigs. I pulled it out and played. I'm like, man, that's not fair. That is not fair. And, you know, he was one of these kids. That if I played a lick in the other room, he'd play it back to me. Right. He had that ear. Yeah. He, he walked into the magic trumpet closet. Yeah, yeah. And back when I used to have like 11 trumpets in the house, you know. He's now working for Amazon as a manager in Lexington, Kentucky. Great. Loving it. Awesome. Uh, you know, so he's on his own. I took him off my insurance, car insurance. Sweet. I told him nothing. <laughs> saved, him, saved a bunch of money. <laughs> anyway, and then, uh, you know, he's doing well. He still plays music, loves music, uh, but he's doing his thing. And then uh, and my daughter, who started on trumpet, and you know Mike Ansbury. Oh, yeah. Mike was her band director. Nice. After six months, she's sixth grade. That's when they start in Clarksville. She plays, she's playing above the staff, G's and A's, on cornet. I had a cornet. Jeff White got me a cornet. All right. Yeah. So, you know, the buddy hookup. Mike comes to me and says, hey, man, she's one of the best musicians I've ever had here. I think I'm going to move to French horn. I said, Mike. See, the problem is, is I got like 11 trumpets. I don't have any French horns. But. And Mike goes, don't worry about it. I'll have one for school, and then she can take one home. Nice. So she doesn't have to carry it back and so forth. So she don't have to carry it back and forth. And you can use that as long as I'm the band director, awesome. even when she goes to high school. Wow. So we did. Uh, she moved to French horn. Three months later, she was first chair at all County Holy on French Horn. Wow. She made All-State. All, she was the first horn player to make All-State all four years because when she was a freshman, it was the first year you could make All-State as a freshman. Wow. She made it all four years. That's awesome. She uh, auditioned at Indiana, Austin P, of course, because of me, I guess, you know. And then uh, Eastman, and she – Eastman – Threw the bank at her, man. Wow. So she's at Eastman. She's a junior, starting her junior year at Eastman. She's actually up there right now working a camp, uh, keeping kids in, in line. My buddy Ken Larson, Kenneth Larson. You know Ken's work? Yeah, yes. He's a trumpet player and yeah. a trumpet uh, maker, too. Yeah, yeah. He's on, he's on, uh, he's a professor up there. And okay. And this is the first time that he's had to do camp during the summer. So he's on this. Yeah, weeks. so yeah, Alana's up there. <clears throat> she's done really well. Uh, we just bought her a new horn. Great. Oh, my gosh. That is not for the faint of and, quality. And why we're buying her a horn, I'm trying to pay off my Van Lauer Flugel. Uh, yes. I had just paid off my trumpet, yeah. right? Yeah. And then, I, and I, of course, Ben yeah. says, man, you really need this flugel. You came to buy this flugel. You got to get this flugel. You need it. And then I played it, and he goes, I, I, I'll give you a 1000 for your Z flugel. I was like, uh, which was a prototype, by the way. Really? In Japan, I bought it. It was a prototype. Nice. And Bobby played it, loved it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, 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 I paid that off. I paid my flugel off, and then I, we bought her that. Well, we're pi buying her that new That's horn. That's like buying a car. Was, we got the horn for $8,500. Uh, the horn is about $12,000. Oh, my. Goodness gracious. Yeah. So, uh, so she's doing She's, she's doing, doing great, man. Awesome. She's a performance major up there. So let's talk about, uh, let's talk, about, and we are both fans of the uh, of the Van Lark Flugelhorn. Let's talk about your, uh, 
What are you on a BR? I'm on a no. I'm on the B3. B3. Actually, you know when I when he came to town, yeah. I played the BR1, which was more like the Z, I guess closer to the Z, mm-hmm. smaller, compact. But I also played the B3. And I remember sounding really smooth on that BR1 mm-hmm. and really nice and open and kind of nice pop. Because I was looking for a kind of a pop on a, I know some people say, you don't want a pop on a flugel, but I wanted that little pop. Does yeah. that make sense? Yes, it does. And because uh, I have such a dark sound already, you know, so I was like, I like both of them. So Ben's like, hey, man, um, I'll cut you a deal on the BR1. Well, somebody bought it before I got it. Uh, uh, before I committed to getting it right. And he goes, but I have this demo uh, B3. Yeah. Which took a couple hundred dollars off the price, you okay. know, because it just been sitting on the table so people could play. Yeah. And I got it and and I held on to my horn for a while and I went back and forth. I played it on the gig and one of my buddies said, hey, man. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah. And uh, he goes, you know, because I play a lot of flugel, you yeah. know, because of my trio and duo. Yeah. <clears throat> and he's like, that's the one. And uh, I sent that Yamaha to him. Nice. And then, you know, I paid that off this yeah. last couple months ago. This is uh, ben, ben Strickland over at East Coast East Trump. Coast Trumpets. He is the, he is the uh, kind of the distributing point for yeah. the Van Lahr stuff. Who Van, uh, Van Lahr is over in the Netherlands. I actually, Beth and I went over yeah, I know. for a trip. We went to uh, Paris for uh, five or six days, and then we went up, and I actually watched him build That's uh, crazy, a man. couple of horns for me up there. And so I wound up keeping the flugelhorn. I'm on a Frejou, uh, which is, for me, I wanted one that, uh, because in the studio, a lot of times we're using a small section, and we're stacking ourselves. Right? Yes. So um, I wanted one that I could pick up that would feel and respond like my trumpet did, but have that big, huge, buttery sound. And that phrase, you man, it just. You know, I liked what you had mentioned. Uh, I, I don't on somebody's post about you have to play flugelhorn when you practice. Absolutely. You know, so after I do my routine, and my routine is, I mean, I talk about my routine. I break it up in two different ways: mm-hmm. it's sound and flexibility. For me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I work on technique, which for me is playing every lick that I know in 12 keys. Nice. You know, so if I'm learning a new jazz lick, even if it's a simple jazz lick, yeah. it's got to be in 12 keys. Sure. Slow, it doesn't matter. But then when I get done, if I don't play some kind of tunes, even though I'm working technique and I'm working all the two five ones, like people say you should do, right? Mm-hmm. The academic part. Yeah. If I don't play a, at least a rhythm changes tune or some other tune or a ballad, at least three different types, of, I start getting stiff when I solo. Really? Yeah, it's almost like you well, get you get too technical. Yeah, and it's you're not playing with a feel. You know? It's just like anything else, man. It's like, <clears throat> it's like muscles. It's like going to the gym. It's like riding a bike. It's like running. It's yes. Like anything else? It's something that you. Yes, yeah, like to, you practice, but yeah. now you got to go game time, right? Yeah. So. So when I do that, I always, that's what I do on my flugel. I don't really practice uh, the routine stuff on my flugel because I play flugel so much yep. that I can just, that's what I love about the Van Law is that the vowels 
I call them trumpet vows, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. On mine, mm-hmm. it just it, it feels exactly like my trumpet. Perfect. And so I just pick it up. You know, I'm, the, I'm on my Greg Black mouthpieces that uh, Greg built for me. Greg right. Black, you got it. If you're a trumpet player or a trombone player, yeah, really, he's, he's big in the trombone. <clears throat> if you're a trumpet player or a trombone player, and, and I'll include all these links where you can get to these guys, Greg Black. Greg goes yeah. back to Giardinelli. Days. And that's, and I actually probably talked to him because when I was in the ninth grade, I was playing Giardinelli's. And, you know, I've in my mouthpiece, the GBC, mm-hmm. the heavyweight. Mm-hmm was a copy of my Giordanelli wow. that Yamaha made for me. I went to the Yamaha plant and paid nice. big bucks, yeah. 1997, man, yeah. 250 bucks for them to build me a mouthpiece. Whew. Greg made a copy of that and tweaked it. Just I had two of them. He, he tweaked it. And my two pieces are, you know, Giordanelli had two rims back in the day, right? Remember the semi-flat and the standard? Yep. And, and Greg would even say, he's talked about it, Man, we never knew what we sent. <laughs> you know, so I have like ten rims. They're oh, all different. But R- Greg found the I found the one that like Greg built these mouthpieces for me, and one's the New York Legend lead mouthpiece. The, it's heavyweight. But I also have his New York Legend. The the I call them the lighter blanks, right? That are made sort of like the Giordanelli. I have both of those. He uh, he has, and he's really figured it out. He's very old school. Like most people are, are CNC machines and, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. I went down there and he took a couple of my mouthpieces, the rim and the and the drop into the mouthpiece. I loved on this one. This one was kind of cutting me a little bit after a couple of hours. I say cutting, <clears throat> but not really. But yeah, just kind of you know how you get one of those irritation spots. Yeah, and he, uh, you know, with the lead and all that stuff, and it, everything was by hand and so careful and so. And the other thing about Greg is. He's a busy dude. He doesn't have any shop help right now. No. I think, I don't know if he has found anybody that has the level of knowledge and skill to start doing yes. what he's doing. You know, and I know he wants to pass the business on and all that kind of stuff. But he took, I got in touch with him. I was over there uh, with Rusty Smith, and I was doing a bunch of stuff for him over at E-Line uh, clinics and, and, and different things like that. And I, the night before, I said, hey, Greg, what are you doing? Vinny Krzyzewski from Nashville. He dropped everything and spent four hours with me. That's what he did with me the first time. Incredible. I said, hey, man, I, I'm going to be teaching a jazz camp yeah. about an hour from your place. Yeah. Can I stop by? Yeah. yeah. I went in. He goes, yeah, I'll give you a couple hours. I got there at 8 o'clock in the morning. I left at 1 o'clock so I could make my, I, you know, I had to get to my gig. And, yeah. and dude, he set me up. Yeah. And he didn't want to and take, and he didn't want to take any money. I said, yeah. well, "What do I owe you?" Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, you know, and, and I got to, you got to force it. You got to leave it in. I, I did the same thing. I, I had a mouthpiece, two mouthpieces built for me, and one built for my daughter. Yeah, right. She had her own Greg Black oh, mouthpiece with her did. name on it. You know, and I said, uh, "I got four hundred dollars cash." And he's like, "Well," I said, "Here." Yeah, dude. It's, yeah, really. You know, yeah. come on. Yeah, that's not a good business model. Work for free. All the time, <clears throat> but you know he does get busy, and I've had cats. So I asked me, "Hey man, uh, I, I try to get a hold of Greg, and it's really hard." Or I got a mouthpiece, and I'm like, "Hey dude, I'm a Greg Black rep." Right. And when I see that, Greg tells me, "Bo, I'll get to you." Right. You just need to be patient, yeah. man, because I'm a rep, and I still have to wait in line because 
he's already making tons of trombone mouthpieces and trumpet mouthpieces, yeah. right? And then guys like you and I show up at the shop. Yeah. And it's and it's it's uh, it's it's not a virtue that a lot of trumpet players possess that whole patience thing. Yeah. So we. Uh, I look at it like I'm going to get a real good product. Yeah. Because you know I, I've actually had something where I sent back. I said, man, you know this mouthpiece is not really working for me. Uh, I know it looks beautiful. It's gold, yeah. gold rim. Because I have to play on gold. I don't play on Me silver. Too. Me too. And I'm like, man, it's just not working for me. He goes, when are you going to be here? And I'll show up and he'll he'll cut it a little bit. And yeah. do it. With his, Mary does the finger thing. Yeah, and, man. and he says, okay, it's all right. Now it's closer to your rim. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's just yeah. that little bit like, yeah. you know. So. He's a great great an amazing human being a good uh, husband and father and uh and he uh, just a great cat man and and, a, and a, just a genius so greg black mouthpieces check them out that's probably and you know and usually i have a whole stock of his uh new york legends and even some of his greg black good we'll uh, we'll uh we'll include that in the closing how we can get in touch with uh with bo yeah. about the mouthpieces and all this We're going to bounce back to um, your long-term and short-term goals as far as your weight goes. So we started a year ago, a little over a year ago, uh, 366, Six. 272, Two. 272 uh, most recently. Um, you you feel like the keto thing is a long-term solution for you? I do. You know, uh, for me to do anything, it's this length of time a year is pretty amazing food wise uh you know there's occasionally uh, i can count on one hand how many times i've had something different out of that norm of keto uh-huh. <clears throat> uh, but i've gotten used to it. it's a life to me it's a lifestyle change it's not a diet anymore it's what i do does yeah. that make sense yes it does uh f- you know my goal is is between 220 and 215. Now that weight right there is pretty slim for me. I yeah. know people say, "Oh, it's so it's still over 200." Not at a cat my build. Right. And listen, I don't feel bloated anymore. I never feel bloated. I eat. You, we were talking about how much I ate the other day, and you said, "Man, you must have been full." I was full, but I wasn't bloated. That's good. Uh, I don't have those ups and downs of that sugar buzz or the car buzz where i used to you know i mean you know you know how weird my schedule is i teach four days a week private lessons then i go to austin p two days a week to some of the in those days are the days i'm teaching uh my schedule is crazy if sometimes i it's two o'clock and i'm like you know i brought my lunch but now i'm getting a chance to eat i'm not whacked out about it you know i it just this keto has kept me at a level even. 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 It's, it's no longer a roller coaster. It's more so, of yeah. a rolling hill. Sometimes you got to struggle a little bit to get up, but it's generally just kind of. You know, my, my, my daughter laughed one day. She said, you know, I know you call it the keto, but I'm calling it the kibo. <laughs> and I said, yeah, right. Yeah. Because, you know, I would, you know. I'm a creature of habit. You kind of gravitate to the same food, you sure. know, yeah. and you're out, but I'm always looking for different vegetables and how to cook, you know, egg, we're going to cook eggplant, P 
pizza, you know, or yeah, yeah. something like yeah. that. And now we have, we basically, we're still compulsive and obsessive, but we've replaced the bad habits with the good habits. And my deal is, you know, without spending $350 an hour to go to a counselor and get to the root of all my foibles, um, if you can do that, it's like cycling for me. Yeah. So, um, so let me ask you this. Are, are you physically active? What are you doing? I'm walking about two to three days a week. Okay. That's about it. I need to do it more. And I know if I did do it more, that the weight would probably come off even quicker. So um, I'm trying to add that in. And I think the more weight I lose, the easier it'll be for me. I couldn't exercise when I was at 366, man. It did it. But I feel so much better, man. Good. It's just Good. no up and down. And you know... Uh, you know, at first, you know, I, like we were talking, I lost some range, and I was thinking, man, I don't have any power, and and I did, you know, and I talked to Bobby about it. I think you and I discussed it a little bit, mm-hmm. and Bobby said, dude, just be patient, man. Yeah. She had to come back. Yeah. You know, and he said, matter of fact, I just got off the phone with a guy about this yesterday, because people would call. You know, I got to spend the whole week with him. Ugh. Not only get to play with him, but I was, I, I, I wanted to be his driver. Yeah. You know, because I used to study with him, so we hung out. Yeah. And, we talked and laughed, and I can't even tell you what he said to me at the airport. He scared people. It's like, what's up, mother? <laughs> <laughs> Screamed it, you know, and everybody's like, and he gives me this big hug, and everybody's like, you know, Bobby, the big Italian. Oh, yeah. Man. You know, so anyway, it was it was cool, but, you know, he and I talked about that. And yeah. Bobby's lost weight, too, man. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah, so. I mean, I, I'd like him to get to a point where he's healthy and he can, you know, I, he'll probably always choose to sit in a chair, but, you know. Well, you know, he has a complete hip and, like, leg. It's like, yeah. he's like the $6 million man. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so my wish for you and my wish for the, the, the people that are listening is, and this is advice that I give to everybody who's on this journey. Um, when I first started losing, I did a year's worth of yoga because this, this beautiful person that I worked with, who was a stage tech and a guitar guy and a rigger, I mean, he just looked like Tarzan. And I was like, well, I kind of want to look like that. I wonder what he's doing. And he, that's what he told me. He said, if, if you really want to get serious, um, first thing you do is do a year's worth of yoga because it lengthens, it gets rid of a lot of toxins. You figure out what's going on with your joints and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, I did a sprint triathlon. Uh, I didn't die or crap my pants, which was my two goals. Uh, and I lifted and did light cardio for a number of years. And I lost most of my weight through, um, through diet. And then in 2006, I started cycling again. And you know, yeah, yeah, from I'm following not. me, that, that uh, my heaviest year was probably 8,000 miles, which is a bunch. Yeah. Um, I, I try and get 80 to 100 miles a week uh, now, but I love cycling. I look forward to it. Today's a day off. I did Sunday through Thursday this week, either on the indoor trainer or outside. Yeah. And uh, I love it. I, I, I look forward to it like I look forward to seeing my wife in the morning or practicing my trumpet. Uh, the, the bicycle thing is, is my jam. I also love to swim. Swimming is not really uh, available to everybody year-round. My advice to anybody, and you specifically, Bo, is find an activity that you can do that, that doesn't hurt your body, non-impact, that you love. It, 
when I was training for, for my triathlon, I was sim swimming a mile a day, three days a week. That's 72 lengths of the pool at the Y. It's, it's, it's an hour plus. Yeah. But, man, that weight was, like, I would, I would, if you weigh yourself in the morning and then you weigh yourself at night, you're always going to weigh more at night because of water and food yeah, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. I would weigh less at night than I did in the morning. That's how quickly it was just peeling off of me. So there are things, including a stationary bicycle, um, that would be good, really good for you, that would not hurt your knees. Like yeah. I, I have, you know, I had old school cartilage. You can see that there. Yeah. And, and it do, cycling doesn't bother my knees in the least, or my back, or my, what most people say, man, how do you sit on that little seat? Well, first of all, I don't have an ass. Let's just establish that. But <laughs> uh, if it's if your bike is fitted properly or your indoor trainer's fitted properly, um, you're not going to have any kind of pain. So that's that's uh, that's I can't give you any advice. You're you're great human and a great trumpet player, and you're on this journey. And I'm I'm so proud of of what you. Well, done. I appreciate it, man. It's yeah. it's really awesome, and I think that this, I think this will really help a lot of people. Um, we haven't given a lot of specific information about the keto diet, but there are books upon books upon books upon recipes upon uh, Facebook. Pages. And you're always finding new recipes. Yeah. Man. I mean, we just saw something about uh, zucchini chips. Oh, yeah, dude. And I was like, yeah. man, we need to try this because I eat a lot of zucchini and squash. You know, when I was a kid, my grandmother had squash all the, and I hated it. And now I'll eat it. You yeah. Know? Um, the next step, the next step for you is is get a big old half acre garden and grow all your own food. You know what? My grandmother tried to get me to do that. We have we're on about a half acre, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, she said, "Now in that backyard, she was country <laughs> man." You know, she used to be one of the rivet girls. The, oh, you nice. know, used to put the rivets sure. in World War II. Yeah. Right? Uh, she was like, "Now what we need to do is go down and get a tiller, and we can change this whole backyard and blah blah." And she was like, "You need to put this and." Dude, when I was a kid, we'd go. I'd go down to Lawrenceburg, or Leoma, actually, is where she lived. And uh, I'd work on a farm, and she'd tell me, go pick some okra, go pick some green beans, or go go pick some tomatoes. And we had that stuff. I mean, the, what I call country vegetables. Yeah. Every meal. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know, but my favorite was the breakfast, right, with all the biscuits and oh, gravy. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> well, you needed that energy to go yeah. out and pick them beans. Yeah, I know, man. <laughs> Oh, God, I would say, don't send me to the country this summer. <laughs> well, Gary, Bo, Clayton, thank you so much for your time Yeah, today. man, gonna, it's been a blast. We're going to take a little break, and then we're going to come back with the uh, speed round, which is a, a bunch of questions that I ask all of my guests. Um, and during my summary, I'll give you all the information you need to get in contact with everybody we've talked about today, Van Lahr and, and Greg Black, and actually uh, – Bo Clayton up at uh, Austin P. If you have a young uh, genius of a player uh, that needs a great place to go to school and get an education, Austin P. is a fine, um, fine school here in, in uh, Middle Tennessee. So uh, thanks again, Bo, for thanks, your time. Thanks, man, for having me. And uh, this is the Fit Musician 1, Vinny Shashelsky, and I want you all to go be awesome. Welcome back, everybody, to the speed round of the Fit Musician One. I'm here with my friend Gary Bo Clayton, awesome human being, great uh, musician and trumpet player, educator, father, husband, all around good guy. 
who, uh, as you know from listening, has had an astounding uh, beginning to his journey. And this is, this is the one that's going to stick because it sounds like he loves everything he eats and he certainly loves uh, the way that he feels having lost uh, over 90 pounds in the last uh, calendar year. And uh, not too much further to go, which is kind of awesome. So I've got a set of questions here for you, Bo, that I ask everybody and uh, answer them to the best of your ability. Good okay. luck. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, your one piece of advice, personal or professional, that you can give to somebody who's listening right now? I think for me is to be patient and uh, really believe that it's all going to work out. I think that a lot of times we, we're reactionary and somebody says something or you get on a gig and it acts, you know, like for me on a gig, I tell my students all the time, that's one note, man. You missed one note. They're not going to remember that. Right. Plus, you're a trumpet player. You're going to crack a note. Right? <laughs> it's okay, man. You know, it's all right, man. So uh, I, I think for me is, uh, you know, is trying to be patient and realize that, uh, as my father would say, weather the storm. Perfect. 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 Okay. Your favorite band or artist? I think my favorite band when I was a kid was... There was a couple, Earth, Wind, and Fire, and the Commodores. Growing, nice. up, growing up in East Nashville, Ohio okay. players. I mean, I could go on. It was 70s, right? Late yeah. 70s. Yeah. So Parliament, Yeah. you know, James Brown, uh, and which is really weird because I, I played in a lot of funk bands, yeah. you know, and everybody's like, wow, you yeah. know how to do this stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My favorite artist would have to be Blue Mitchell. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Man, those are some fine, fine choices. And a, and a good, uh, that would be a great uh, place for anybody to start as a song list of bands and artists to, to just put some. It's on my iPod, man. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Shake your tail feather to that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, who is the most influential person in your life, past or present? You know, not, you know, everybody knows your dad, your parents, your uncles, all that stuff. But I believe the one that influenced me the most and not only in my personal life, but as a professional, is Rick Steffen. Rick Steffen. Rick Steffen. Yeah, he is the man. He, uh, he, he was the one that had faith in me, in my playing ability, and you know, is just said, "Hey, man, you can do this. You have your own little style. You know, you don't sound like everybody else, which is cool, and uh, you know, you could do this for a living." And somebody that believe, you know, he and I, I've got buddies that even yesterday, Jim Daniels, great trump player, lives in Florida, uh, told me, he said, man, thanks for taking care of Rick. Because we're all like, you know, he's did Papa Rick, right? Sure. And, uh, you know, we're, and Ped and I play with Rick on gigs. You see our little selfies, I've, I've a little trio. Pictures, yeah. Looks and, like the front line of the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you know and you know which is funny because now people are like dude you're the smallest one right, now that's it's exactly like, right yeah. but you know just rick just as a human man just as a person he will come over and we'll have coffee we'll talk trumpet and then we'll have coffee and then we'll talk about everything else yeah you know just a great guy he yeah. was probably the most influential cat yeah he uh uh you know probably about 10 years ago is when he sort of a kind of retired from the Nashville scene, but that guy was super prolific doing Broadway shows, 
tons and tons of recording sessions. And um, two things about Rick that I love. If you're playing a show with, uh, with Rick, uh, whether it was uh, a, a session or a Broadway show or a live gig, and the last song came up, you know, because Rick always had to drive back up to Clarksville, which is easily an I hour. I know what you're about to oh, say. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, this guy had it down. I have never seen anybody pack up their stuff and get out of a joint faster in my life. Like, you would, you'd be like, hey, guys, looking to your left. Hey, guys, great job on the gig tonight. You'd turn around, and Rick was a ghost, man. He was gone. I just, oh, man. I still say, you know, people are like, wow, you in a hurry? I'm like, I'm doing a Rick Steffen. That's what I call it. Man. And, you know, people have told me that. Not just you, but more and more people have told oh. me. Because actually one guy said, are you pulling a Rick? Because <laughs> I had everything packed before the last, no oh, mutes, yeah. everything. The flu was down. Yeah. yeah. My extra mouthpiece is yeah. in the bag. And I'm just like, even my trumpet stand yeah. is in the bag. I'm ready to roll. I don't want the producers or the band leader to think that I'm, uh, that I'm, not 100% committed to the project or the gig or the or the whatever we're doing, but mine is more of an homage to Rick. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the other thing was, is I came in, he and I were playing together on something, I can't remember what it was, and I was complaining about um, <clears throat> chop swelling. And, he's, and he looked at me, and this was the coolest thing that any teacher has ever done. He looked at me and he said, may I be your teacher for a moment? Oh, yeah. He man. asked permission. Yeah, yeah. He didn't just go, ah, here you go, kid. This is what you need to do, blah, blah, blah. He said, may I be your teacher for a moment? And he, and he taught me the shower trick. You know the shower trick? Where you get a, you know, you turn it up as hot as you can. You get a single bead on the middle of your chops. Yeah, yeah. And, you, and you buzz a little bit. And I tried it the next day, and it worked like a charm. I, I, th I, I for Probably a half a dozen years. Every time I saw him, I thanked him for that because it was amazing. But he he, was, he, he just did something similar to me a couple of weeks ago. He goes, I was playing the horn for him, the new the Van Lar, right? And he goes, What did you do different? And I go, I moved it over just a little bit to my original amateur, right? I play a little bit more in the center. I mm. still play off this side, but right. it was more. Over. He goes, actually, you sound better further over. Wow. He goes, why did you change that? And I go, I don't know. People were just saying you need to move. And he was like, well, you got two armatures now. <laughs> <laughs> and he just started laughing. He's like, hey, can we get a refill of coffee? I was like, sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, next two questions are kind of uh, linked together. The best piece of professional gear that you own? It's got to be, the, of all the trumpets I've ever played, it's got to be the Van Lar, man. Which model are you I on? play the B5, which was actually built for Terrell Stafford. It was his prototype okay. to figure out what he wanted. It's a little different. It doesn't have the uh, first valve thumb. Right. It only has one uh, brace uh -huh. on the on the uh, slide. Uh, the horn plays great, and the flugels. So for me, the Van Lars and the Greg, if I can add Greg Black. Yeah, too. of course yeah, you can. So. Okay, good. That's uh, again, those that information will be in the in the summary, and this may not be apropos because you're a walker, but uh, let's the best piece of athletic gear, or really the tool, the best tool in your journey toward you know health and fitness. Well, my athletic gear, athletic gear is Puma. 
Oh yeah, okay. Old school Puma. All right, good. Uh, there you go. I, I I love Puma. I love the way the shoes fit. I can just take those classics. I still use my the Asics. Yeah. Is what I would would have said because I used Asics for years because they were good for your knees, right? Sure. Uh, that and uh, something that has New York Mets on it. Oh yeah, <laughs> anything that has New York Mets that's, on it. That's big right. Mets fan. Okay, and this is the big dog. This is the one. Uh, on my very first podcast, uh, which was with Dr. Willard Johnson uh, down in Coleman, Alabama. He and I have been friends for 15 years. I didn't realize that. But uh, he, he's a very affable guy. Laughs and just full of joy and positive and just he's the smartest guy about the physiology of the human body I've ever met. I've never seen him get emotional. I'm getting a little verklempt just thinking about it. But he told a story on this last question that absolutely brought both of us to tears. And I've never seen it in, a, in, in him uh, for as long as I've known him. So, so this is the big dog. Okay. Um, besides getting married and having kids, which are two of the most important things that we have done and can do in our lives, especially because we've given them the tools to be successful people and, and we're taking care of our family. Uh, the most positive event of your life You know, I'm going to have to come back to music, man, because I wasn't supposed to be a musician. I was supposed to be an electrician, mm -hmm. right? That's what we did. That's what my family did. I'm the black sheep of the family. <laughs> when I go see relatives that hadn't seen me in a while, they're like, you, you still playing that trumpet bull? <laughs> Seriously. That's exactly what they said. Music and where it's led me. Everything that I've got to do. I've seen, I haven't got to see Europe because I could never get stationed over there. Yeah. But I saw all of Asia, man. Yeah. And the people that you meet through music. You know, uh, I remember going to Malaysia, a little place called City of One, Internet Cafe, back in that day, right? And across the place was a... Uh, a Muslim eatery, right? And here comes the Navy band guy, rock band guys, and they treat us like brothers. We come back the next year, they got our picture hanging up on the wall. Oh. That's our brothers. Seriously. Wow. We walk in, you know how they shake hand, they put their hand on their heart, they hug you. They always took care of us. Meeting people like that, just all over the world. Meeting my wife in Saipan on a gig, you know, we're checking into the hotel. She doesn't, check people in she works in the back right office area she has to check us in because so many people i look at nathan gobel great trumpet player lives in italy i said i'm gonna marry that girl i mentioned that before <laughs> yeah. he laughed uh meeting her having you know of course just and meeting cats like you and all these nashville cats you know a lot of people think you know uh you know music business is kind of cutthroat yeah. but not with us man not with us. That's Especially you would think trumpet players, right? Yeah. But, and I tell people all the time, I said, dude, there's so many good people that are down in Nashville that, you know, I feel blessed because when I went to college, I was actually the worst trumpet player for two years. Uh, last year, third in college, man, I was terrible, dude. I couldn't read very well. Confidence was terrible. But just now I'm the director up there. 
yeah. of jazz. That's incredible. I've seen all over the world. I've got buddies that were in school with me. They came to my first concert and said, damn it, Dad. I mean, that journey, the journey that we're on, I think just the journey of meeting people through music. Yeah. You know, other than having, you know, your family and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. I think that that has to be it for me, man. That's because awesome. what would... You know, sometimes I think, what would I be without that? That'd be kind of boring. Yeah, it's a big, it's a definitely a big part of our identity. Yeah, and and getting to the age, I'm 56 now, getting to the age where you can separate those two things. You know, you're a human being without music. They have run so congruently through our lives since we were yes. nine years old. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. I knew what I wanted to do since I've been nine years old, man. I can't tell you how I got to where, you know, five, yeah. over 5,000 recordings. Yeah, yeah. You know, I can't tell you how I did that. I can tell you a lot of the things you shouldn't do. Um, but it's it's really, you're, you're right, man. It is an amazing, uh, amazing part of our lives. And, and, uh, and you know, and it's funny that most of my neighbors don't even know that I'm a musician. Oh, that's funny, man. Because when I talk to them and stuff, they're like, hey, and you know, I've told them, you know, like, we'll be out working in the yard. So... What do you do, Bo? Well, I'm a trumpet player. I mean, but what do you do? Yeah, right. A, that's what I do, man. <laughs> and they're like, really? Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Beth's, fa <laughs> Beth's father for probably the first, um, maybe the first almost two years that we, we were already married. And he, mm. he was like, so is, is Vinny playing any little jobs and whatnot and this and that and the other thing? Just thought it was the cutest little thing that, you know, somebody tried to make a living playing music. And then we were down in Naples, Florida with Martina. Big tour with a bunch of trucks and buses and, you know, and I invited him to the show and he brought, um, he brought some friends. And, and after that show was like the first time he was like, oh, Oh, you're a musician and you make a living at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, so hysterical. <clears throat> you know, really it's so funny that you brought that up. You make a living at it, right? Yeah. So after I taught a year, and then uh, I decided, you know, I'm just going to do this lesson thing and, and try to gig. And, you know, Jim Williamson gave me some great advice when I first came back to Nashville. I said, hey, man, I'm back. See, Jim, I think in his mind I was still 23. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And he gave me some great advice. He said, Bo, you got to find your own niche. Well, I did. You know, I got my little small group. I sub for everybody. I teach my lessons. I teach at the college. But it's just finding your own niche and doing your own thing. Mm -hmm. and, and my wife would say, as long as we can pay the house note and all the bills and have some fun, it's cool. Yeah, good. Because, you know... Uh, Everybody wants that six-figure job. Yeah. And, you know, we, we do pretty good. Good. You know, I, I look at people and just, they're like, wow. Yeah. You, you play trumpet. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so music, man. It's all about music. Awesome, Bo. Great spending time with you, you today. You too, brother. Thanks so much again for your time. Uh, this is Vinny Shashelsky, Fit Musician 1 podcast episode number two go be awesome y'all man how awesome is that cat right there gary bo clayton just uh 
really great human being and, and a fantastic trumpet player and really, really proud of the progress that he's made with the keto, um, up close to 100 pounds in a year. Um, you can get in touch with us on Instagram and Facebook at FitMusician1. You can go to the website FitMusician1.com where all of these uh, podcasts will be archived and you can uh, hit a subscription button to uh, three or four different services that will take you right to uh, the information that you need. And then you can send me an email at Vinny at FitMusician1.com. Um, we mentioned a ton of people on the show, and I'll, I'll put these in the show notes on the website, but just uh, real quick, www.bobbyshoe.com. Vanlar Trumpets is vanlartrumpets.nl. East Coast Trumpets is eastcoasttrumpets.com. Ken Larson is www.brassworks, B-R-A-S-S-W-E-R-K-S.com. Eastman School of Music, www.esm dot rochester dot edu austin p university www.apsu.edu greg black mouthpieces www.gregblackmouthpieces.com and my busty my buddy <laughs> rusty smith over at elon he's not really busty though um www.elon.edu and and uh, those guys will get you hooked up hey Thanks so much for your time. Uh, we're doing our best to get these things a little bit shorter, although there's just a lot of great stories and a lot of great information in all of these things. Again, thank you for listening. My name is Vinny Shashelsky. I'm trying really, really hard to be the fit musician one, and I'd like you guys to go be awesome. <laughs>